0: Hi Coffee and Convo listeners, I'm your host, Liz Bullard, and here's a quick ad before we get into our episode. Welcome back, Coffee and Combo listeners. I am your host, Liz Bullard, and this is my podcast where I talk with friends, leaders in the community, and other great conversationalists about politics, wellness, and activism. And always, I am excited because I have Dara Lise here, and she wears multiple hats, and so I'm interested in talking to her about all of her wonderful hats that she wears. So welcome to the Coffee and Combos family.
1: Oh, Liz, thank you so much for having me. It's really great to be here with you, virtually with you and um, with your listeners as well.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And as a coffee and combo listener, I always ask, are you a coffee or a tea person? So like, what is like your perfect cup? Oh, okay.
1: So in my heart, I would be a coffee person, but it doesn't agree with me. It makes me kind of anxious, but I love the taste of it. Um, in reality, I am an herbal tea drinker um, because I'm a little too hyper uh, as <laughs> it is, so I gotta kind of calm down my energy. And my favorite flavor would be cinnamon. Anything with any sort of cinnamon would be my favorite herbal tea.
0: Ooh! So, would you describe your personality as someone who is kind of like that relaxed person, but kind of has a little bit of that spice of cinnamon?
1: I wish. I think that's what I'm striving to be. I think I'm more like an espresso, like I like I will hit you hard and I will go 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 and then I'll burn out. And so I think you know, I think ultimately I aspire to be like a cinnamon chai or so, you know, something very lofty like that. But no, sadly, I am not wired that way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We love a little shot of espresso in our chai. So, (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. So you do multiple things, like you do work with um, diversity inclusion and podcasting and and all of this stuff. So please share with the listeners about all the things that you you do and, and what is what are you most passionate about of all the things you do?
1: Yeah. So it does look like if listeners go to my website or they see me on social media or something, it does look like I do a lot of things, right? Cause I'm an author and a journalist and a storyteller and an actor and I teach yoga and, it's, and I do DEI work and it's like, Oh my God, you know, what is this person and what are they up to? And I guess for me, the way that I best understand myself um, as an entrepreneur, as a creative, is um, I believe, you know, I kind of go by the, the nickname or whatever the epitaph, the transformational storyteller, because I believe that the stories that we tell ourselves and others have the power to transform our lives. Like, they yeah. the storytelling um, is incredibly evocative, and so I think when you start to understand everything that I do through the lens of storytelling it all really makes sense. And it all kind of feeds that, that whether I'm doing journalistic work and exploring and excavating stories with other people and, and bringing especially marginalized voices to the forefront, it's like, oh yeah, like stories, right? Or if I'm writing a fiction book or a nonfiction book, or I'm coaching someone in their creative storytelling, like all of that, I think, um, gets to the heart of who I am, which is a person who really wants to who believes deeply that our stories matter and also that while the truth and the facts are unchangeable, our interpretation of them is somewhat malleable. And that's where mm-hmm. I think you can like really support people in, in having a more empowered, um, more authentic experience is when you start interacting at the level of story and at the level of discourse.
0: Oh, I, I love that. And, and I love how you you brand yourself as a transformational storyteller because and I love how you said you tie in everything through the lens of you're telling a story because depending on the story, all these different mediums fit it best. And when you allow yourself to be like, okay, what is the story that I want to tell? And what is the best vehicle to get there? I think that allows you to shine and as well as the story. So I love that.
1: Yeah, yeah I really appreciate that. And it's so true, right? What is the story? What is the medium? what are my talents and gifts? I mean, there's certain, like, if it's a rap battle, I am not equipped to tell a story that way, you know? So, like, just really looking at, okay, who, you know, how can I let my authentic voice be be heard? And also, how can I support others in, in having their stories be heard? And in changing the shape of, of, of their stories in ways that allow them to move beyond pain into purpose or to, you know, to, yeah, yeah, to just uh, stories, stories are very, very powerful, I think. And I think that, um, you know, just on a personal level, like I have found that stories have the ability to change hearts and minds far quicker, far better, far more sustainably than, you know, statistics or a bunch of information. And so I think, that's part of why I'm so passionate about storytelling is because I, I actually think there is, is tremendous power in stories, um, whereas, you know, the other things don't tend to make the quite the same impact.
0: And, and I like how you mentioned, you know the kind of like the story behind the data right because i think sometimes as a society we can be very data driven because sometimes we will have the conversation that resources are limited or how do we reach the most people and we can get in this mind frame of numbers number number data 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 but there are people behind those stories and and there's just something about hearing people hearing their story that even if if the data is small and only, you know, 2% of people are affected, when you really think about the stories behind it, it really gives it a a larger meaning in um, a larger importance.
1: Well, and you know, I love that you bring that up. And I also think about sustainability of change Mm. and impact. for example, you know when you're talking about this massive, like, okay, maybe Twitter level story, right? I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna tweet out 120 characters or something, and maybe maybe 10,000 people, maybe 20,000 people are gonna see that, right? Like that would seem like it has a massive impact, mm-hmm. but when we look at really the the way that let's say a like a little news item on a Twitter feed is gonna stay with someone, it, it really doesn't, right? Like they see that it's interesting to them for a moment maybe they share it and then they go on about their day kind of relatively unchanged for the most part um versus a story where I mean even just in the course of everyday conversation if you slow down long enough to Mm. take the time to listen to a friend or listen to a stranger in line at the grocery store who's going through something right like it can it can change you. I, I I will share with you that I recently was talking to someone, I mean, just like a stranger in, um, I went into a store, we were masked up because it's still COVID times. And, <laughs> um I was buying something and I asked the store proprietor just a question. And she was telling me about how her mom passed away, you know, and it was mm. so, it, it was just like this, beautiful and painful moment. And we were able to connect and I was able to be there for her in empathy. I didn't know this person. I might never see this person again, but I got home that day and I, and I called my mom and I was like, mom, I just want to let you know how much I love you, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. that was a, you know, it was a short interaction, but it changed me and it made me take some sort of meaningful action in my life. And I think that, exemplifies the power of story, the power of narrative, the power of kind of like slowing down is that if we choose to pay attention, there is application available as a result of those interactions.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that was such a great illustration because, you know, we've all been to like a conference or a meeting and like you just drone out until you hear the story of why you had to go through all of that or why all of that mattered. And there's just something about when you hear a story, it helps you to, um, like you said, apply it to your life. It becomes like, oh yeah, there's a commonality there, right? Even though we're different, even though we've never seen each other, we might not ever see each other, but like understanding that that whether that in that situation, that loss and how you would have grieved. This and so it's just so interesting when people share stories, how we get to connect with them on an emotional level without even having any type of other connection with them. Totally, totally. And if you look at, you know,
1: the all the major world religions, I mean I'm fascinated by religion. I love it. I have studied, you know, different um you know, religious schools of thought and interpretation and dogma. And like, if you look at that, all the all the major religions are built on storytelling, on parables, right? As like some of the best storytellers um, evoke people to, you know, to completely change everything they think they know mm. about who they are and how they're living their life based on the power of stories, right? And that, you know, you ask someone about, Their faith, and they're not going to tell you, like, oh, in the year X A D, you know, this is Mm -hmm. what happened. No, like they're going to tell you the stories. They're going to tell you, um, you know, their why of how they came to faith, how they built a relationship with a higher power. You know, like why there's meaning and purpose for them and in their lives. And I mean, spirituality is just one element, but you can you can take it into the corporate sector. You can take Mm -hmm. it into you know all these things like ask someone the next time you meet someone on the street, right? Ask ask them like, oh, what do you do for a living? And then ask them, oh, how did you get into that, right? And yeah. everyone has a story, right? And often I think we focus on the what, but we don't focus on the why or the how. And like, that's where you get to know a person.
0: I love that. Um, I wrote down something else you said, but before that, I, I love that last part about we focus on the what and not often on the, the why or the how. And I, I think that is absolutely true, especially when um, you look at issues that sometimes become politicized or uh, quote unquote uh, d- d- divisive, you know, it's always about the what, but knowing that why and the how, like why we are asking for this change or how this change affects this group, It's very important to making it more about okay, this isn't about politics, this isn't about um, being trendy, but it's really about the people and 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 about change. And it just, I really love how you had placed that.
1: I love that you pointed to that, Liz, because I think sometimes people don't know their why, and if Mm. you keep drilling down, like that's when people are apt to say oh, this is just a bias or like, oh my, you know, someone in my family told me this, but I don't really believe it. Right. But you can't, if you're just operating at that top level of like, what do you believe? Right. Like, you know, who, who do you hate? Right. Or whatever it is that top level sort of surface level thing. And then we cancel people out based on that, as opposed to saying like, all right, let's explore that. You know, why
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: how did you learn that? And where does that Mm -hmm. come from? And it doesn't mean you can change everyone's hearts and minds, but I've got to tell you, I have spoken with like probably hundreds of people at this point who have told me about situations where because of some personal experience, something in them has shifted irrevocably. Right. And it's always because of a result of like a personal experience or having a bias be turned on its head or something like they've, they've engaged on the level of story they've engaged on that deeper beneath the surface level. Um, and like, that's where the magic is.
0: Absolutely. And like, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about even like with COVID in like, especially when it first started and people were talking about masks or this or that things that we can do as a community to make others safe, whether it was the elderly, those unable to keep themselves safe, children. And there was a lot of posts about, it's not real until it comes close to you or it's close to home. And like people were sharing their stories to make this pandemic real to, to kind of like this call of urgency and so you were absolutely right there's just something about again that story and that urgency of it's real now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And and tell us a little bit about you do some work as far as diversity and inclusion and you have a book called demystifying diversity. So please share a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. Um, so I think like so many things that I've done or, or endeavors that I embark on, I sort of like realize partway through just how ambitious it was. And so (laughs) I'll say, you know, um, my former business partner and I started a podcast called the Demystifying Diversity Podcast. And in the course of that podcast, I interviewed 128 people for season 1 and it was so mm-hmm. great and got so many stories and then sort of threaded those stories through these various topics about diversity equity and inclusion and mm-hmm. um and I got to the end of creating all the scripts for that season and 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 I realized like hmm there's a lot of information and there's a lot of valuable life-changing information but there's a gap between information and application, right? And so mm-hmm. then I decided I need to write a book you know, <laughs> um, with this information and then also create a workbook. So the dem- demystifying... Oh, there's a workbook book book too? Yeah, there's a workbook that you can also buy along with it. So that people really do start to apply these things to their life because, you know, I mean, i Podcasts are amazing. I am so excited that I'm on your podcast now. I'm so excited that people are listening. I hope your listeners will go check out the Demystifying Diversity podcast. Um, and what I love about the book, Demystifying Diversity, Embracing Our Shared Humanity, is that it it sort of allows people to, to get a little bit deeper, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm always about can we, you know, can we keep digging? Can we keep excavating? Can we apply this stuff? to your life in ways that are tangible that allow you to be changed in ways that you want to be changed right like Mm -hmm. it's not for me to tell anyone how they need to be in terms of diversity equity and inclusion but i can prevent i can present stories of people that they might not encounter you know any other way and through those stories you know they might find applications in their life they might find a richness they might realize Mm -hmm. the beauty of diversity right and the beauty Mm -hmm. of our all the things that we have in common and and be enriched from a you know cultural perspective i mean there are Mm -hmm. so many people i know your primary audience is in the u.s but like there are so many people in the united states who do not meet or encounter people of different religions different ethnic backgrounds different races different um you know physical body types or abilities or what, you know, what, whatever, right? Like, and so for those people, it it is essential to have exposure to the richness that comes from absolutely variety. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I love how, um, well, before I say that, you know, as you were you were talking, I was thinking like just this morning, I was thinking about why it's important, like exposure, exposing yourself to different things, nothing on this level, but like um, just whether it's different careers or different things, like exposure is important because it allows you to see like, oh, like I could do that, or that's my interest, or, you know, it allows you to grow, it allows you to um gain more insight. And I love how you talked about that on a a level of humanity in um like you mentioned, um encounter there's a lot of people that might not encounter diversity, right? And so that limits their exposure, which limits their ability to be like, oh like I wonder what it would be like to experience that. Or you know, you have people that have never experienced poverty. And, you know, if they never have people in their circle that have had poverty, I mean, it's really hard to relate and understand some of those problems. Right. Because you might be looking like, oh, well, there's programs that help poverty. There's programs that help housing. But unless you really have that boots on the ground knowledge, you understand how difficult it is or what it feels like to experience that that emotional level. And going back to something earlier you said about the stories in the Bible and it challenging everything that you think you know, and and that's the important thing about stories is it does you you have in your mind right because our mind wants to know things and you're just like oh I know what that red apple tastes like and then you you experience it. it's like oh well that was different and there's all these other things because experience is invaluable so I, I love that you you brought up that that point.
1: I think it's so beautiful that you focused on how you know in exposure it allows us to have more empathy and it allows us to like really sort of get where other people are coming from i think that's one piece of diversity that is huge and instrumental and Mm -hmm. i want to just bring out there's another piece of diversity because i think sometimes people think like exposure to difference it's for those other people over there, right? Like that, you know, oh, okay, cool. Like I'm learning about that person for them so that I can be more empathetic so that I can help them so that I can support them. Like the COVID example that you gave, right? Like wearing a mask for other people. Um, and there is that validity to that. And that is a huge part of why I do the work I do. And also I really believe that most of us are limited by the beliefs that we think and the structures that we think we have to live in, right? And until Mm. we get exposed to other ways of thinking, other ways of being, other ways of behaving, other cultures, like we personally are trapped and limited, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think that people can enter this world, this space of Mm -hmm. diversity, for both selfish and selfless reasons. And I always encourage people to do that because I think when you've got no skin in the game, when you're just doing it for mm. those people over there, it is less urgent and it's less mm. important and there's less of an investment. But I think when people realize like, oh, hmm, I, I'm a woman, I identify as a woman, I always have, I I probably always will. And working with um, trans and non-binary identified folks, has supported me in looking at, well, what are the ways that my own assumptions of gender that I apply Mm. to me have Mm. kept me limited, right? So there's tremendous capacity for transformation, I think, when we start interacting with people of various identities and understanding, like even just I mean, I come from a family that's super loud. I'll give this example. We're super loud. We're super passionate. We all like have big opinions, right? My baby sister, love her. Mm -hmm. She's quieter. She's a thinker. She, you know, needs a little space for introspection. And Mm -hmm. I think growing up in our family, she was like, There is something wrong with me, right? (laughs) There is something wrong with me. Why am I? I am this quiet person. Everyone else talks a lot, and I like burst into tears because I feel like they're yelling at each other. You know, I mean, just and so it really took her learning about introversion and being exposed Mm -hmm. to other people that maybe do are slower processors, but deep, deep thinkers and critical thinkers. And for me, you know, being exposed to her. She taught me how to listen. I don't I don't mm. lead with listening, I lead with speaking, right? But my little my baby sister taught me how to listen. And so just, you know, those differences, right? Like I think are are invaluable. And so I always just encourage people to really learn that there are different ways of being and that we can sort of integrate different elements into our own identity as we move forward if we get exposure to other people and we, we become a better human we become better, more empathetic and and all of that so i think it's it's a very
0: symbiotic kind of process 100 percent. and as you were talking i thought about you know your freedom helps me with my freedom right it is this relationship and i think we've talked about I think sometimes in spaces we've talked about, like diversity, equity and inclusion as, well, if you get more stuff, I get less stuff. And that's not it at all. Your freedom equals my freedom. It allows me to say, "Wow, look at you living your best life. And in a way, it gives you permission to live your best life. Like, oh, yeah, I can, you know, do and be bold and be this and be that. Or I can be comfortable in my quietness and in my meekness. And so. Absolutely, when there is space for everyone, everyone can thrive.
1: I think probably the biggest teacher for me has been, and and this is an audio platform so people can't see me, but I'm biracial. My dad's Black and my mom's white. And I think for me, being a person who my entire life has held like simultaneous, seemingly conflicting identities in a way where I can embrace all and both. And you know, and the fullness of myself and realize that I'm sort of these two established constructions, but also this new thing. Like, I, I mean, I, I love that. And being able to dance in that space throughout my lifetime has taught mm-hmm. me so, so much. I think about, um, about sort of not trying to erase any identity and, mm-hmm. and learning to embrace and learn from them while at the same time, learning that there are certain problematic things Um, And so, like, I I just, I I feel like for me that has driven so much of the work that I do to not be, like, polarized or exclusionary or, you know, like, I have judgments about certain things that have happened, but I try my best to contextualize them in a framework of like, okay, well, let's look at where this comes from and let's Mm. work on that level so it doesn't get perpetuated and doesn't get carried forward into the future. So I think... You know, I just sort of wanted to, to throw do.
0: that out there. Oh, go ahead. No, no, that's hard to do. Like, you know, to take it and to kind of break it down into the the hows and to continue to humanize a person even when you don't agree um, so that you can understand them. And like you said, don't continue to have the same cycle going forward, but to really heal hear, learn and grow. I mean, it takes a pause. And so um, I, I love that you you shared that because that is a, an important part of, of this work as well. Well,
1: and that can't be done in a place of trauma. So for Ooh. anyone who's listening, like if there are situations that are dangerous to them or harmful to their personhood or whatever, like you got to kind of get out of that situation. It's not healthy to try to understand and reconcile <laughs> and work through, you know, in the midst of, um, being, being abused, being, you know, uh, mistreated, being discriminated against, like all of those things. Um, so, so I think it's important for people to, to know that like, when I say this, there's the assumption that once there is a certain level of safety, this is the worst that can happen.
0: Absolutely. Um, image of comes to mind of being in a fire in the middle of the house and you're trying to find out where did this start. That is not the time, <laughs> to kind of, you know, after we put the fire out, that's when we go and we investigate. So absolutely. And, and, and that's needed, too, because I think sometimes, um, again, especially early on when there was talk of diversity, and inclusion, uh, and people were outside rallying or protesting or, or rioting. It was this conversation of kind of like, well, why are they doing this? And and there, you know, people should do, should respond this way to their trauma. And and like you said, when you are going through trauma, when you are in a, a feeling or a space of not safety, you are going to respond in a way that makes you feel safe. And so I, I love how you kind of reference to be in a mental space where you can understand and have that conversation with others. Um, because that us also has been kind of like a narrative too, um, as the world is opening up of having the conversation with people about race, equality, diversity, inclusion, and when not to have that conversation. And I think being aware of when you are not in that healed space or that space of, you know, like I'm in a space of like alignment and I can have that conversation And that's okay. It's okay for you to say, like, I just don't have the capacity for this conversation or this topic right now.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. Right now or with you or (laughs) at all, or, you know, I mean, all of it, all of it is valid, I think. Um, And... I, I really believe that in this world we have enough for everybody, right? We have enough to Absolutely. meet everybody's needs. We have more than enough to meet everybody's needs—emotional, physical, conversational, you know, <laughs> um, caffeinated, right? Like I see you taking a sip of your coffee. We, you know, we have we have the capacity to meet all the needs of every single every single person and every single cultural collective. I really believe that. Now, what I think sometimes happens is that we get attached to one specific person or group mm. meeting those needs, and we can get sort of um, very locked into it looking a certain way. But my suggestion, you know, if there's people who want to have conversations about race and other people who don't, like, that doesn't mean you got to shut down the conversation. Just talk to someone who did who does, right? Like, mm. go listen to a podcast. Go, You know, there there are ways, I think, to... Be a person who is kind of curious and wants to know. And there are also ways to keep ourselves safe. And I think sometimes the person who knows, like, I don't have the capacity to have this conversation, I don't want to, feels like they have to override that because the other person needs them to. Or the person who really wants a conversation with someone who doesn't have the capacity kind of can't stop knocking at that door because they feel mm. like, oh, this person is going to give me my answer. Well, no, like, no, we can, there is, there are billions of people on this planet. You know, there are tons of resources there. you know We, we as people, I think, need to know that this world is an abundant place and it's really mm. for us. But there's also a level of personal responsibility and community responsibility, to, um, to like get our needs met not at someone else's expense, right? And I think that's a huge mm. part of why we're in this problem in the first place.
0: Absolutely, I love that you know get your needs met not at the expense of, of someone else, and and that can be you know again a, a hard thing to do to say like okay let me I'm having a selfish moment and my moment can wait. Because I think we're all like, well, this is what I want right now, kind of like a little bit of that pother mentality. So when we don't hear, and, and, and again, kind of going back to how we discussed in the beginning, the stories, I think that allows you to kind of bring that guard down into here. At least I hope, I hope you have some people that have their feet dug into the ground, you know, and, you know, we'll give space for them too. But, you know, and having people share their stories, it allows, I I think, for everyone to be humanized and begin to have that conversation continue to roll.
1: And Liz, I love that you brought it back to the stories because almost always, I mean, I can't think of a time, but um, maybe there is a time, but almost always when someone is reacting in a mm-hmm. position of aggression or when someone is reacting from a place of fear or when, you know, when, whenever people are doing the things that you turn on the nightly news and it's like, oh my God, you know, that's terrifying. Why are people acting this way? What are, you know, there's always a story that's motivating, mm-hmm. that behavior, right? Like the person either feels like, you know, Mm -hmm. F you, you did me dirty. I'm going to get you back. Like, you know, I'm, I have some sort of lack. I've got to take this. There's, you know, there, there's always a narrative that is Mm -hmm. driving our behavior. And so I think that being able to recognize, or even just ask the question, like, what is this person doing right now? And what is the story I'm telling myself about it? Because I got to tell you, you know, sometimes like if someone doesn't call me back, right? That's a relatively innocuous thing. But if someone doesn't call me back and my story around it is, oh, they think they're too good for me, right? Or, <laughs> oh, they don't like me anymore. They don't want to be my friend. You know, like I've got this whole narrative around why this person didn't call me back. And there's so many other stories. It could be like maybe they didn't get my voicemail. Maybe they're busy. Maybe they, you know, just got fired from their job. Maybe they're embarrassed because whatever they were supposed to do for me, they didn't do, and they don't want to tell me that. So they're, you know, taking a moment or what, whatever it is. Their phone was their phone's off or something. Um, and so just acknowledging that, you know, I mean, Buddhism is great at this, right? It's like, well, what what happened, right? Like pain is inevitable, suffering is optional, right? And so, um, so I think just that awareness that most times the problems that I'm seeing in the world are attributable to these, like, false and reactive narratives that we're telling ourselves about people that we don't actually even know. We don't have a relationship with, we don't connect with them. We don't even see those people as people, right? Like in some way there's a lack of empathy. And then there's all this reactivity to this thing that like, isn't even accurate. And so I just encourage people to really like The people that you think you're afraid of, get to know those people. The people that you think are threatening to you, the people that you think are out to get whatever is yours, right? Like get to know those people. And maybe maybe you're not going to get to know them on a personal level, but like get to know their stories. Read a book, expose yourself to a podcast, like learn, watch a YouTube <laughs> video, like actually slow down long enough to encounter someone that you have a story about, and think about like is the is this accurate? You know, is my is is the story that's happening in my mind? Does it actually match reality? And most of the close relationships in my life are close yeah. as a direct result of my capacity to slow down long enough to let them tell me that what I believed was entirely inaccurate. Right? Like, uh-huh. <laughs> like yes. the, yeah, right. The, like, because they, they tell me who they really are, and then my Maybe. brain stops feeling like, oh, they're out to get me. Oh, you know, I can't trust this person. You know, whatever it is, the the narratives, the false narratives sort of get dismantled. Oh, I love that.
0: Love that, love that, love that. And, And as you were talking, I was thinking about like the story you tell yourself about others is important. And whether that can even be people that are in your own household, whether like the story you tell yourself about your children, your spouse, your mother, your mother-in-law, you know, the stories that you tell yourself about that person and allowing them to share their own story is important and allowing yourself to hear their authentic story is, is beautiful
1: Yeah. And like, we think about something like infidelity, right. In a relationship and most times something like that happens because one person's got a story of like, Oh, my spouse doesn't love me anymore. Oh, they're withholding. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know Mm -hmm. whatever. I'm going to go get my needs met elsewhere. Like, but this person creates a whole narrative, you know, and then they react out of that narrative. And then the trust is fractured, it's, you know, or or whatever it is, or the, or the other spouse tells themselves like, oh, this person doesn't really need me, they'll be fine. Like, I don't, you know, I don't need to really invest in their relationship or, you know, I mean, no one person is usually ever entirely at fault for something, but just like looking at that as an example, looking at what happens on the job front, right? Where like Mm -hmm. employees and employers aren't talking and then suddenly the employee quits and the employer's like why and the employer's like well because you never promoted me and you didn't this and you didn't that and it's like well but did you did you ever talk it? about it mm-hmm. or the or the person gets fired and it's like why did you fire me and they're like oh you should have known you've been late and they're like you always said it like you That's always right. like, oh, no problem like so yeah. how was I supposed to know so just like we have worlds that happen in our heads that we don't ever express or articulate. Mm-hmm. Like, and all of us are walking around doing that. And it's kind of amazing to me that, like, <laughs> that that's the case, but but that is what happens. We just, we we walk around with like unconfirmed suspicions and, and stories. And so it's really, it's very helpful. And it's very humbling to uh, to take the time to like, just ask, you know, just ask questions.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because also, um, as you were speaking in regards to infidelity, you know, sometimes we're always like, well, I would have done blah, 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 blah if I was in that situation, because you, you're right. We tell ourselves all these different stories, right? Like if you were the one that got fired, well, I would do this, but you're telling the story from like a narrator perspective. And if you were the actual character in that story, would you have responded that same way with that same backstory? So I I love that. Love, love, love how you use stories to convey um, all these different points of view.
1: I love that you just brought that up. Like I would have reacted that way because there's actually, there's a really great technique that we use in racial literacy and cultural competency trainings that I'd love to just share. Um, Please. Which is, yeah. So like often we as human beings make mistakes. I mean, my life is a series of upgrades in <laughs> the mistakes that I make, you know, <laughs> ideally, right? It's just like, oh, I don't make those mistakes anymore, but I make slightly better mistakes.
0: I'm gonna um, take that my life is an upgrade of mistakes.
1: Yeah, <laughs> seriously, that, that's really all it is. Um, but in, on a serious note, you know, like something will happen in our lives and often, As people like that thing happens and it's, it feels horrible at the time, or we make a decision that we regret having made, but then we stop there. And a really powerful intervention is to take that experience and think about, okay, what would I have done if I had it to do over again? Or what Mm -hmm. might I do the next time this comes up? And so for example, you know, when I'm working with people in racial literacy trainings, like someone might be, um, someone might have an insensitive comment made to them or made in their presence about some other person and they don't, maybe they don't say anything, right? Like, it's just like, oh my God, you know, that's so... I can't believe that person said that and they inside feel really hard or really horrible or ashamed or angry or whatever it is, but like they don't do anything. And then the moment passes. And then it's, you know, maybe that they never encounter that person again, or it would be inappropriate to like bring it up after the fact sometimes Mm or, or whatever. And they're left with that icky sticky feeling inside of just like, Oh my God, you know, that was horrible. Well, I often, what is very, very helpful is for that person to go back, And sort of imagine, like visually imagine what they would have done differently if they could, Mm. what would have left them with a better, more empowered feeling, right? And, Mm. and, and, and almost imagine like, well, if that happens again, what am I going to do? And it's like, you know, athletes practice, right? Athletes practice for the next big game. Like we, you know, as kids, we do homework, you know, in preparation for the exam, but when it comes to diversity it's like we don't practice those skills mm-hmm. and when it comes to life and and relationships we don't practice those skills so people repeat the same patterns in relationships over and I mean, over and absolutely. over again right they they are they experience the same traumas over and over again they experience the same wounds they they, they perpetuate the same issues because it's not just the person who's on the receiving end like maybe someone will make an insensitive joke and realize oh my I should not have said that, right? Or whatever it is. And so just giving people that space that anytime there is something that you do or don't do where you're left with this icky, sticky, gunky feeling, take a moment, pause, listen to yourself, like ask yourself, okay, well, what, what happened? Why did I react this that way? And what would I do differently if I had it to do over? And sometimes even taking it a step Further and saying, is there anything I could do now that will support yeah. myself, right, in in moving out of this, or will support some sort of inner like reparative experience? And and I do that work with people all the time, and I find that that is so impactful at getting people to absolutely um, to ch- to make positive changes in their life, so that we don't just get stuck in these same cycles mm-hmm. of. Okay, the same thing is happening but with different people, and I don't know how to deal with that. Well, that's something that you can do to know how to deal with it. And it doesn't mean that you're gonna eradicate racism. It doesn't mean that you're never gonna be misgendered again. It doesn't mean that other people aren't gonna be who other people are doing what they do, but um, or that you're never gonna make an insensitive comment, you know, if you were raised in a context where certain things were just normalized and that's mm-hmm. how you were taught to believe or think, right? Like, it, it doesn't mean that that's never gonna happen, but it does mean that we can begin to do the inner work necessary to repair some of that damage so that we're better people moving forward for ourselves and better for this world that we're a part of.
0: I That was absolutely fantastic because it, it really does like, cause like you said, like sometimes you have these experiences and you have that icky yucky feeling. And, you know, sometimes people can be left like, what do I do? You know, and you can feel not empowered, but this is a great way to feel empowered. Um, And it it can be applicable to many different things, you know, whenever you feel like you're not empowered and just kind of saying like, okay, why is that rising up for me? What would I do different next time? And what can I do right now? And so like listeners, I challenge you, like when those feelings rise up in you to really pause and use this technique to say, okay, like what's going on with me And, and what do I need right now? And you know what can I do differently so that way if it does ca- happen again, right? Because we've all been around that person that's like, oh, every time Jim comes around, you know, you know, and just thinking about, well, okay, what happens the next time? What happens the next time so you don't have to feel that? And listeners, I also challenge you to think about what stories are you telling yourself about others, and what story are you telling yourself about your own self? I, I love all of that.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you, and. You know, I just want to add to that, that when people ask themselves, what would I do differently? Like, what I love about that is that what you might do, Liz, to feel empowered might be different than what I might do to feel empowered. And that's totally and completely okay. And so it really requires us to be self-honoring, even as we're engaging with other people. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: No, absolutely. I I love that. Love that. Love that. Love that. And and I think that's a great place to pause this time, uh, because there are so many other things that um, Daralise does, and, and and we didn't even scratch the surface. And um, but we will pause there. But please, is there anything before I ask you my last question? that you want the listeners to know? Anything else you want to share with the listeners?
1: Um, I guess I would love to share that I really love to hear from people. So if anyone wants to get in touch with me for any reason, um, my website is daralyselyons.com. That's D-A-R-A-L-Y-S-E-L-Y-O-N-S.com. Or people can also check out uh, demystifyingdiversitypodcast.com. So I love hearing from people Um, and yeah, beyond that, I would, I would just invite people to meet themselves in a deeper way and then, and to encounter elements of themselves that they might not know exist quite yet. And then also to meet other people, you know, who they might not have encountered in the past because my world is infinitely enriched by the variety Mm -hmm. of people that I get to interact with. And I think you know, I, I don't think there's ever any harm from stepping outside of our comfort zones, as long as we're safe in doing so. Like, I just, I just really think this, this life is about expansion and, um, and about really like loving people, including ourselves. And so I would just encourage people to kind of like, yeah, do that. (laughs) Just, just try to love yourself and love other people. But the only way that that can happen is if we meet ourselves and we meet other people, you know, it's not a surface level love.
0: I love that. I love that. Listeners, the information will be in the episode bio. So please check out all the wonderful things that she is doing and continues to do. Please continue to share love and light and positive energy everywhere you go. Cause you certainly has sprinkled a lot of it into my life this evening. So I am so glad we connected. Um, thank you. Thank you. And please do not be a stranger to coffee and convos because this has been wonderful.
1: Yeah, I, I would love to come back. I'll bring my um, my cinnamon tea. And it was so great to be with you tonight and so great to join um, your listeners. I'm really, really honored to, to be asked.
0: Well, absolutely, absolutely. And so my final question is, what's in your cup? And this is where I ask my listeners and my guest, what are three things you are adding to your day to bring love, joy, whatever you need this day, this moment to have a better day? And while you think of your answer, I will give you mine. So the three things that I am adding my cup so that I can have a better day and a better week Um, Number one is exposure. I think, you know, what I'm learning that the more that I'm exposed to, the more that I grow, the more, you know, like those neurons are firing. And so exposure is what I'm adding to my cup. Um, Definitely storytelling. Storytelling is so complex and wonderful. And there's so many stories out there. And, you know, Kind of thinking about, you know, Shakespeare, right? Romeo and Juliet. There's so many different versions, right? So even if you think you've already heard someone's story before, think about like their version is uniquely their own and being open to the different stories and the different versions of stories. So storytelling and self-honoring. I really liked how you talked about that and just honoring what do I need in this moment, whether that's, you know, space whether that's another chai latte, <laughs> whatever that is. So I'm adding to my cup um, exposure, storytelling, and, and self-honoring. Um, please share what are you adding to your cup.
1: Yeah, so I'll tell you, my cup is pretty full, so, but I'll tell you, Three things that I do that support me in, in feeling full um, on do. a daily basis. So every morning I, uh, inspired by the artist's way, so shout out to Julia Cameron, um, every morning I wake up and I journal three pages in my in my journal and it sort of clears out, you know, the the stuff and gets me focused and gets me excited. Um, so that is one thing I add to my cup every day. Um I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be really honest and really vulnerable today and say that I pray looking in my own eyes in the mirror every single day um, as a way to acknowledge the spirituality within me and then also the spirituality within people and to connect on that like higher conscious, <laughs> higher vibrational levels. So that's a huge thing that I do that supports me um, in my work and in my life. And, you know, lately I have been adding some moments of stillness. You know, I told you that I'm sort of an espresso person, (laughs) but I'm doing that tea thing. Um, I've. I really realized someone that I interviewed early on, Dr. Howard Stevenson said to me, you know, if you're gonna do this work, you really need to prioritize self-care. And mm. I didn't take it seriously when he said that to me at the time. Um, again, you know, upgrading mistakes, right? So I burnt like <laughs> myself out, went full throttle. And, and lately I have really been carving out some time so that I can work, you know, not, I don't even want to say work hard, but work efficiently and mm-hmm. then take downtime and, and space. So having like some time to just watch TV and talk to friends on the phone and like date and all those things is something that I've been adding to my cup by subtracting some of the stuff that was in there that was keeping that cup full, but mm-hmm. not enriching
0: and fulfilling. Mm. so, yeah. I, I love that. I love that. Sometimes you got to take some things out of that cup. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, thank you so very much. I appreciate you coming and talking with me and the listeners. Be well and take care.